Welcome to C's for Creepy. My name is Elise. And my name's Courtney. Join us every week as we discuss our favorite true crime and paranormal stories. From A to Z. Welcome to a special edition of our Nocturnal Novellas. That was so... Oh, that was great. We are on episode six. We've been doing this for six months. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't actually realize that. Like, it makes sense. I know that we're on episode six. It's just six months have passed since we started this. I know. I've seen you every Friday for six months. That's pretty amazing. I know. It's the most we've ever hung out in a year. (laughs) That's pretty cool. But yes, welcome to our episode of nocturnal novellas do you want to tell the people what the nocturnal novellas is nocturnal novellas is our monthly bonus episode that we do some cases that we really want to cover but it's not enough to cover a full episode so we each do three stories of something that we want to share yeah or like not even like a full episode, but just stuff that's kind of interesting or funny or just might be too on. far of a stretch for yeah <laughs> the alphabet. Well, and then, like I don't know, I cover like different things, mm-hmm. so I don't know. You have fun. Also, if any of our listeners have any stories they want us to cover, please make sure you email us at c for creepy at gmail.com we would love to read your stories during our nocturnal novellas absolutely all right courtney what is your first story my first story is the urban legend of the bunny man now i feel like i should have done this one for april but here we are (laughs) legend has it that in the early 20th century there was an insane asylum near fairfax station when it closed A bus carrying its residents away ended up crashing, and they tried to escape. Obviously. Classic. They were all caught except one. Douglas Griffin. Griffin. When they searched for him, all they found was a trail of half-eaten, gutted bunnies hanging from the Fairfax Station Bridge. Okay, I was going to be like, a trail of candy? Like, you know, the Easter Bunny? Yeah. No. Okay. Trail of bunnies. I see. Okay, bunny man is... Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Griffin was never found. No. As the story goes, one Halloween night, a group of teenagers hanging out under that same bridge were attacked, facing the same fate as the bunnies. (gasps) My question is, what half did he eat? So I'm... Okay. I'm picturing, like, cut in half lengthwise. Oh, I was thinking like, like tops or bottoms. Tops or bottoms. <laughs> Heads or tails? <clears throat> Literally. <laughs> yeah. To this day, the legend states that if you are at the now called Bunny Man Bridge on Halloween night, you'll share the same demise. Other sightings were in 1970 when a couple sitting in their car reported a man dressed in a white suit and bunny ears appeared screaming at them as he threw a hatchet at their car. Two weeks later, the money man was seen again, chopping wood at an unoccupied house. He threatened that he would bust people's heads open if they kept trespassing. Uh-oh. I don't enjoy that. Okay, so if he's using hatchets, it's heads or tails. Yes, you are correct. It's not left or right. No. 
No, it is heads or tails. I don't know which I want. I hope he eats the bottom half. I hope he keeps the bottom half. Really? I think I'd be more okay. Ooh, but then you'd have to see the bunny heads. I don't know. Either way, I'm not a fan. No. I don't know. No. I wish he would just <laughs> keep all the bunnies or leave them all the bunnies. I was actually thinking people, but I'm glad you're strung up on the bunnies. <laughs> I mean, yes, that too. <laughs> so what is your first story? Okay, so I'm going to kind of like tiptoe onto your area okay. this month. I'm going to be touching on a slightly darker topic than I normally cover for nocturnal novellas, but uh, I thought it was really interesting. So, you know, some of the superstitions that surround crossroads, right? Mm -hmm. Thought in some folklore to represent a location between both worlds, these crossroads are believed to be the place where one could summon a demon to make a deal. Mm -hmm. The history of these intersections are darker than the lore that surrounds them, however. In medieval England, the act of suicide was considered to be a sin. And since they didn't even pretend to separate church and state back then, the act of completing suicide was an illegal act and therefore a punishable offense. Punishable by death? Uh, no. But we'll get oh, to it. Okay. Like, they're already dead. <laughs> they completed suicide. <laughs> so they're already dead. Okay. But back then, when you're talking about, like, how, like, Catholicism was, if you committed suicide, you couldn't be buried in a consecrated grave. You still can. No. But they had a different idea for what to do with people who specifically committed or I'm not going to like this, am I? I don't know. Probably not. Okay. I just thought it was interesting. Okay. So, so it has been cited that during the 18th and 19th century, those who were found to have completed suicide were dragged through the streets and mocked. Then, under the night sky, the bodies were buried at the crossroad, where the dagger plunged through their heart. Though most common at this time, one of the first discovered bodies found is believed to have been that of Robert Browner, who hung himself after mismanaging the church church's finances in 1510. Okay. The crossroads were also a place to hang criminals, both as a warning against potential outlaws and to keep the dead of the sinful far away from holy spots. <laughs> so are you saying we would never find a church on the crossroads? I don't know. Okay. Like maybe adjacent, but like nearby, but probably not directly on. Okay. Okay. Why the bodies of these people were buried at crossroads goes back once again into folklore and superstition. It was believed that the spirits of those who completed suicide were especially susceptible to demonic control. So because of this, there was a very strong likelihood that these spirits would return during nighttime or like during Halloween, stuff like that, like significant nights. Mm -hmm. But being buried at a place where there was four roads would hopefully confuse the spirit so it wouldn't return back to haunt the people that buried it there. 
Okay, I I can see the logic. Mm-hmm. And I should say too, like this is just in England, in different cultures, there's a lot of other different beliefs that surround crossroads. Like it's a prominent symbol or place, mm-hmm. places I should say. So okay. that's just the one. And I just thought that it was it had a little bit of crime in there, but some superstition. So I thought it was interesting. That is, it's very yes. interesting. So what is your next story? So for my next story, we are covering the Three Kings Ritual. Okay. It is a scary game to play in the dark. <gasps> yes. It's been a while since we've had one of these. But we aren't going to play them in the dark. Okay. Ever. No. No, no, no. We're just so, going to talk about them. Yeah, we're just going to talk about them. This list is long and involved, and you need every single piece in order to play. Do not leave anything out. Okay. One, you need a large, quiet room, preferably without windows. If you must use a room with windows, cover them up so no light from the outside can penetrate the room. The room should also have a door that will close and latch securely. Okay. A candle, preferably a sturdy pillar candle that will not burn out or burn down quickly. Mm-hmm. A lighter, you have to light the candle, of course. Mm-hmm. A small bucket of water. And a clean mug or cup, an electric fan, two large mirrors, an alarm clock, three chairs, a fully charged cell phone, a partner you trust to follow the rules and take the game seriously, and a small object that holds sentimental or emotional value for you. Okay. That's a lot of things. Okay. At 11 p.m., you should begin your setup. For the Three Kings ritual, if you choose, if you in your chosen room, place one of your chairs facing north. This is your throne. Place the other two chairs on either side of the throne facing towards it. These chairs belong to the queen and the fool. Okay. And they should be about arm's length distance from the throne. Secure one mirror onto the queen's chair and one to the fool's. Oh, I don't like this. No. Holy crap, I don't like this. Okay. Again, facing towards the throne. Sitting on the throne, you should be able to see your reflection in the the peripheral vision without having to turn and look. Mm -hmm. Place the bucket and your chosen cup or mug in front of the throne, just barely out of reach. You want them near enough in case you need them, but not so close that you might trip over them. Okay. Place the fan behind the throne and turn it on. Not on high, medium, or low should suffice for the purpose of the ritual. Okay. You don't want to blow out your candle. Right. Turn the lights off and leave the room, making sure the door is left open. Go to your bedroom. Place your cell phone, candle, and lighter close to your bed so you can reach them easily without having to hunt for them. To make sure the phone is fully charged, leave it on your charger. Set your alarm clock for 3.30 a.m. Oh no. Take your chosen object and get into bed. It's time to sleep to prepare for what's to come. Okay. Conducting the Three Kings ritual. 
when your alarm clock goes off at 3.30 a.m. Get out of bed, light the candle, grab your phone, and keep your sentimental object with you at all times. You have three minutes to return to your prepared room. When you enter the room, close the door behind you. Your chosen partner in this ritual should wait right outside the door and be as quiet as possible. Protecting your candle's flame, take your place on the throne. Your body should block the wind from the fan behind you and keep it from burning out your candle. The idea here is that should you slump to the side during your time in the room, the candle flame will be blown out by the fan ending the ritual. Okay. Do not at any point look directly into the mirrors on either side of you. Also, do your best not to stare directly into the candle's flame. Assuming you've made it onto your throne by 3.33 a.m. and all has gone according to plan, you may now begin the active part of the ritual by asking questions out loud. It may take time, but again, assuming you did everything correctly, you will soon be joined by the kings who will answer your questions. Okay. Reportedly, you will actually hear their voices, but remember, no matter how startled or how unsettling it may be, do not look into the mirrors. Remember to take this seriously. This isn't a time to ask stupid questions. Remember of what you may heard before. Oh, regardless of what you may have heard before, they do exist. You have one hour with the kings to ask whatever you like. Be prepared for answers you will not like. And be prepared for questions as answers to your questions. Finally, do not let the candle go out during your session. At 4.34 a.m., your friend on the other side of the door should call out to you that the game has ended. If you do not respond, they should try calling your phone instead. If, and only if, neither of these methods succeed in getting your attention, they should then enter the room to try and snap you out of the ritual by calling your name. But they should not under any circumstances touch you or look into the mirrors. And finally, if that doesn't work, they should use the mug to throw water from the bucket at you. Fair. If you find yourself in a semi-conscious state and it's time to return, focus on the personal item you brought with you and let it guide you back to a waking state. It might sound silly, but if you've committed to the ritual thus far, then it's not a huge stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. As soon as you are aware that time for the ritual is up, you should stand up, blow out the candle, and leave the room to signify closure. Mm-hmm. So, here's our warnings. If you do not wake up at 3.30 a.m., don't start the ritual. If you return to your prepared room to find the door closed, do not continue and leave the house taking everyone with you. Do not return before 6 a.m. What? Ooh. If the fan is turned off or no longer working in some way, do not continue and do not return to the house until 6 a.m. Do not let your candle go out before the ritual is completed. Again, as stated above, do not at any point look directly into the two mirrors. It is said that what you see there may pull your consciousness inside and you can become trapped by the kings. Do not leave your throne before 4.34 a.m. 
and do not go into this ritual acting cocky or disrespectful. It will not end well for you or your partner. Uh-oh. This game is very risky as it actually involves ritualistic elements and summoning spirits. Those particular elements aside, you are also also holding on to a lit candle for an hour. So there's a risk of burning your house down as well. <laughs> Fire safety people. Yes. Make sure this is something you really want to do before you take on the Three Kings ritual. Ooh, that one's creepy. I love your I games. love these games. Uh, yeah. They get me. Every time. And like, honestly, when I'm like researching them, I can totally imagine myself like doing this whole ritual. And I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> Absolutely not. But then there's that little, little voice in my head that's like, do it. Right? No, I would look in the mirror. I already know it. I wouldn't be able to help myself, so I just shouldn't. Right? All right. What do you got for me? So here is a headline from a Daily Mail article from 2013. Gatorade. Florida man's mother calls deputies after he wouldn't get rid of the baby alligator he had living in his bathtub. So normally I don't read the entire headlines, but the author of this article just summed it up so well I couldn't help myself. I like it. So the man in question was named Sean Lewis. He was a 45-year-old man living in central Florida, and he had allegedly been keeping a foot-long baby alligator in his bathtub for a friend. The friend never returned for the reptile, so Lewis did the best he could with what he had. He had done his best to make the bathtub a good home for the gator, filling the tub about halfway up with water, and he put some cinder blocks in there for the gator to get out so he could sun himself. Okay. The makeshift enclosure also featured an overhead heat lamp to simulate sunlight. Lewis might have been able to house this exotic creature, at least for a little while, if he hadn't been living with his mother, <laughs> who was clearly not pleased about losing her bathtub to the scaly critter. Fair. Lewis's mother claimed she had warned her son to get the gator out of her tub and her house, but after a week of not listening, she called the police. Hmm? Lewis was then charged with poaching and held on a $2,500 bail. While it may have been a baby and reasonably manageable at that point, the gator would have quickly outgrown its bathtub enclosure and become a serious threat to the members of the household. Yes. These exotic creatures can be kept as pets so long as the owner has proper licenses and permits in Florida. Since Lewis had neither, the baby was released to the St. John's River. I'm sorry, but what pleasure do you get from keeping an alligator? It's a gator. I know, but like... When they're babies, they make a cute little hissing noise. They're like... Fair. It's like... <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but they grow up and they become... It's like puppies. Like they, they grow up and become big. Except for their chomp puppies. They will eat you, puppies. Um, puppies can eat you too. Like they bite you. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna lose a hand from my one-year-old puppy. 
Yeah, you could probably like you maybe a finger. Not you can't keep them very long. No, but, but really- I'm not gonna go to pet my dog and they're gonna take me my arm off at the elbow. But I just enjoyed that one. Switches, it's amazing. I just loved it. Like, of course, in Florida, only in Florida. <laughs> well, and like that too. You go down to the beach and you see alligators. Why do you feel the need to have one in your bathtub? Because it's a baby. He was holding it for a friend. The friend was gonna come back, but he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So finally. I have some superstitions from around the world. Yes. So, cutting nails at night and on a Saturday is bad. In India, people consider cutting cutting nails at night and on a Saturday to be very bad luck, so they avoid it. Interesting. In the UK, if the first thing on the first day of the month you say rabbit rabbit, then you will have good luck for the rest of the month. Fuck yeah, I'm going to start doing that. It can't hurt. I mean, might as well. Yeah. Russian people avoid gifting yellow flowers to someone as it associate as it is associated with death, 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 <laughs> infidelity, and separation. Okay, I never liked yellow flowers. Like they're just not for me. It's like Easter or sadness. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. People of Turkey don't chew gum during the night as it's supposed. As it's supposed that after the sunset, the gum will turn into flesh of dead people. What? Oh, yes. See, do you remember that episode back, like, a few episodes ago when I was talking about the, like, the nipple? Well, it was, like, bubble gum. (laughs) That's so weird. Ew. (laughs) Ew. I, oh, that's creepy. In the Netherlands, singing at the dinner table is supposed to be singing for the devil. <laughs> so, Jeff's entire family just sings for the devil every family dinner. Do they really? <laughs> I swear. All the time. Especially, like, a couple years ago when they were all super big in karaoke. Every family dinner was, like, karaoke carpool. <laughs> so, yeah. They were all just singing for the devil. (laughs) And finally, people from Denmark assemble broken dishes and throw them at their home, at the homes of their friends and family. This brings good luck. Okay, I'm going to start any broken dishes that are coming your way. Please don't. Why not? Please don't. Because, like, I've got a child and pets, and you throw it at my house, and then chances are I'm going to step on it, and then it's going to be a hospital bill. But good luck. I feel like that's going to just bring you bad luck. It'll bring me good luck. Oh, this is true. Maybe that's what it is. It's like throwing your bad luck at somebody else. Maybe. I like that. That's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. And what is your final story? Okay, so last but not least, I've got a bizarre death for you. Yes. We're going to San Francisco, California. Located there in the North Beach section is a striptease bar called The Condor Club. Cool. While it first opened in the 1900s as a bar, it started thriving when a cocktail waitress wore and started dancing in a topless swimsuit in 1964. Okay. So our story takes place in 1983. A bouncer named James, also known as Jimmy the Beard, Frenzo, 
and his exotic dancer girlfriend named Teresa Hill were closing up at the club in November. Staying behind after the rest of the staff had left, the couple started to get it on on top of a very famous piano. Okay. This white grand piano was so famous as the original cocktail waitress used to make her grand entrances as the piano would lower down. So it was attached to cables. Okay. Okay. Well, Ferrezzo and Hill were too preoccupied with their activities that neither of them noticed that the on switch was activated and the piano with the couple on top started rising to the ceiling. Oh, shit. The pair was trapped on top of the ceiling. They were trapped up there. Um, Just before becoming trapped, Ferrezzo had rolled off of Hill, but now he was pinned against the ceiling. Oh, shit. He died of asphyxiation as the hydraulic motor pushed him against the ceiling. Hill, who was much thinner than her partner, managed to survive the ordeal, but she was trapped until seven the next morning when the janitor finally arrived. Jesus. He had to call the fire department in to free Hill as the motor had burnt out during the night. In fact, the fire department had to destroy the piano in order to free Hill and and collect Ferrezzo's body. Not long after the incident, the Condor Club started serving a special drink called Sex on the Ceiling. Oh my god. I mean, like, they did not like Ferrezzo, so they were like, eh, what's, whatever. He wasn't a good guy. Jesus. <laughs> that, that's pretty good. <laughs> could you, I, I could not even imagine that. Just no. Gotta be aware of your surroundings. <laughs> Talk about bad luck. That would be unfortunate very yes wow well thank you for tuning in to our sixth episode of our nocturnal novellas it's always a lot of fun so thanks for listening bye thanks for tuning in to c is for creepy we put out weekly episodes every tuesday going through the creepy alphabet Check out our website at acast.com slash C is for creepy or on Facebook at C is for creepy podcast or on Instagram at C for creepy podcast. If you have any questions, concerns or suggestions, please email us at C for creepy at gmail.com. Artwork done by Alexis Daly. Check out her work at L-E-X-X-A underscore artwork on Instagram. See you next week. Bye.